This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and today I'm talking with Willie Rodriguez. Willie grew up in Puerto Rico and began his career there. At age 23, he moved to the East Coast and attended Berkeley, where he studied with multiple jazz luminaries, including Ralph Peterson and Terry Lynn Carrington. He then attended grad school at the New England Conservatory and went on to make his home in New York, where he has performed with a wide range of artists, including Dave Lieben and Mon Laferte, with whom he won a Latin Grammy. Most recently, Willie recorded drums for all of the new Mars Volta album. We would appreciate your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer and a donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content from our former guests. Think of this as professional development for drummers, all useful and actionable lessons for the working pro. We're populating new content regularly and as little as $1 a month gets you access to all of it. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can also make a one-time donation through PayPal. There are links for both on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. While you're there, you can learn more about this episode and check out our archive of over 300 episodes. Also, please subscribe to Working Drummer Podcast on your platform of choice. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, however you listen, please leave us a rating and review. This helps new listeners find us. Our Patreon content now features Will Kennedy discussing the recording of his song Samaritan, which he composed for the new Yellow Jackets record. We've also got lots of other drummers on that Patreon series, including Ash Sohn and Eric Slick, talking about specific songs they've tracked drums for and all the technical and creative aspects of those recording processes. There's also a video by me illustrating my favorite warm-up routine, which I've found to be really useful and effective over the years. You can get access to this and the rest of our Patreon content for as little as $1 a month, so check that out. We'd really appreciate your support. Once again, that's patreon.com slash working drummer. So it was great getting to know Willie a little bit. He's a sweet, funny dude with a very down-to-earth perspective. So I hope you dig it. Here's Willie Rodriguez. A courtroom sketch of lifeless eyes. The need to disassemble. The that holds his What part of New York do y'all live in? We're in Manhattan. We're in the Upper East Side. Yeah, we've been here uh, for now, I don't know, eight years. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. You got like... Humbling experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, Manhattan has humbled pretty much everybody who's ever lived there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, in one way or another. Um, and y so you and Lydia have lived there for eight years? Yeah. Yeah, we, we me and Lydia... We moved from Boston. We did the whole college thing down there, up there, and then uh, we moved here. Yeah, 2014, fall 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and cool. And here we are in, yeah. in our adventures, you know. <laughs> and I notice on your on your um, list of uh, credits um, is included Dave Liebman, the the sax player. Is, yeah. is is Lydia related to him? Yeah, that's his dad. That's her dad. Oh yeah. man, amazing. Yeah, that's that's how we met. Actually, we met. Um, he came. I used to do this um this weekly gig at Wally's Jazz Club in Boston. It's a really, it's a. I think it's the first black-owned uh, New England business mm -hmm. ever. It's a really historic area. Martin Luther King used to live down the street while he went to BU, I think, or BC, I'm not sure, but um, it's a really black historical corner there in Mass Ave, and I, they open every day, everyone plays there, it's like a legendary place, like from Miles play there to Roy Hargrove, so it's like a, a nice workshop for students from either Berkeley or NEC, and so Dave 
asked me he want to play one day and then he came down and then I, you know of course i met his daughter first and from there you know here we are <laughs> right he, he he asked you if you wanted to play he did not ask you if he wanted to if you wanted to date his daughter <laughs> no no that was me who asked that actually <laughs> right right that goes the other way uh, yeah, yeah yeah that was me actually <laughs> that's funny but yeah we met actually at the bean ja- bean town jazz festival cool and from there you know we keep going you know? yeah and so lydia is doing like some some promotion and or management and or publicity for different musicians now, lydia 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 is a jazz publicist and and she worked album releases in in this you know in jazz most mostly yeah mostly jazz um and yeah she's like killing the game yeah yeah she's she's, sent <laughs> she's a, doing fantastic she's doing fantastic we have a lot of from Grammys and awards and really good artists from, from Salaruacaba. We have, um, you know, a lot of nice people, you know, and we have worked with Ron Carter. We have worked with, um, yeah, legends, so legends, so many to mention, actually. A yeah. lot of people, yeah. She's, she's sent, uh, she sent a couple of guests our way, uh, including Tommy Crane and um, yeah. Yeah, one, or, one or two others. Just, yeah, great artists she's working with. Um, yeah, we're, we're so. Um, how does how does a guy get on Mars Volta's radar? <laughs> well, to tell you true, um, it was Leo Genovese. Leo Genovese. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a, one of the best young piano players today in jazz, and mm-hmm. he's usually known for working with Francis Spalding a lot. And sure, but he's actually really, really inspiring musician and and really humble, humble human being he's 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 known for just like getting you know whoever he he you know he's, he's so humble man he 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 hook everyone up always hooking people up with either with residente or with major artists he's such a humble guy he doesn't care about the jazz you know pyramid you know who's here who's hot he's just like right. always calling people to help he's always been a really really nice person actually and i love Has him too he hard been- he just Sorry, has he been playing with Esperanza for like a long time, like from the beginning? Oh yeah, yeah. He's okay, I know exactly. Yeah, I yeah. know exactly who you're talking about. Then I, yeah, I, did, I didn't been, put that together, been, but yeah. No, he's been with her since the beginning, and I, I know actually know him from Boston. We work in Boston a little bit, and then he's man, he's the he's the guy who is too humble to be true. You know, so he's <laughs> like, wow, this guy is. You know, he just released an album with Wayne Shorter. Wow. And Esperanza and Terry Lane just last week, you know, he's just so humble, so down to earth. It's, you're never going to see a guy like that, you know. It's just, he's he's like a, I describe him like a Argentinian Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like a really, you see him and you're like, oh my God, what a, what a guy. <laughs> super nice, super down to earth, you know. You can see him, the one time I saw him at the Newport Gas Fest with a bag full of oysters, you know. It's like, what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> He just like, showed up with oysters for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's yeah. like a, what a guy. You yeah. know, it's a really, really, really beautiful guy. And and so one time he called me, hey, dude, I got this recording for the singer. And I said, let's do it. So we 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 got together. We went to, um, we worked with Baquet Recordings, actually the same guy who, who did the Mars Volta album. And while I was there, Omar is there. I was like, oh, Omar. Then Omar totally, you know, I, I was never, I mean, I knew I the driving. Because I was really into like metal and and all the stuff. But when I was in high school, um, at the driving was I knew who they are. But I was into like you know Dillinger Escape Plan, Candiria. I was like really into mad, crazy, you know, crazy rock. That actually was coming to jazz. But um, so I only knew at the driving. I knew what the album came out. I knew they were hot. I was really it caught my attention. They were Puerto Rican, so I was like, "Wow, this this cat's wow, this is crazy!" And the album was gorgeous, and I love it, of course. But then, just I just right when that album came out, that's why I was starting to fall in love with Coltrane and right Miles Davis. So it, it was it, it was it was a weird space for me. It was like, "Oh, this is great," but no, you know what I'm saying. And then here here I am with my man right there in front of me, and we click right away. He's from Puerto Rico, and we've basically fall in love right there. We talk a lot, hang with him. He invited me to his house. Super nicest guy, man. Really, really nice guy. And and to tell you the truth, we, we 
we clicked right away because he got this demo from Mon Laferte. It was Mon Laferte actually the the the, 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 the singer, and and we did we got this just this rough thing with a guitar and, and and her just singing, and Omar's like, dude, I have to make an album with this, and we just like went to it for three man for like three or four sessions just doing demos. Wow. And we did Electric Lady too, and we hit all that stuff. But we Omar had worked a lot of stuff. But at the same time, he's, it's not that he's mysterious, but it's, it's, it's you don't want to ask him too much questions. You know, I know how, how people like that are. You don't want to like, you know, you don't want to step too much, you know, you know how it is. Right. So so we did that stuff, and then he we kept he keep calling me and calling me. And we did like multiple, multiple sessions for stuff that I don't, still don't know what it is. But in the last two sessions, he was like, he called me. He was like, hey, man. I wanted to record the March Volta album. Yeah, I almost crying. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he, I was like, man, of course. Hello. And then and we did it. And, and it was a crazy experience because I did that COVID at the same time he called me. Mm-hmm. And it was he had to cancel flights and stuff because I got messed up. I'm not, I know he didn't cancel flights actually, but he canceled sessions. And um and I'm and I'm glad he did. He waited for me, man. And he actually yeah. went and yeah, we did it. And it was really, really nice guy, man, to tell you the truth. Sweet sweetest person I know. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So on on this record, like is is your are, are you the only drummer on this record or did other people com- you know contribute beats yeah. or tracks? I, or I, I I did ask yeah, I did ask him and he said yes, he did. Um it is um it is peculiar that you asked me that question because everyone's asking me the same question. But to my understanding, yes, I am the only drummer in the wow. record. Um, the, he he wanted to do something totally different. Mm-hmm. That's 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 what I that's that's why I think he hired me. He wanted he found my playing probably refreshing because he used to play with he. The only thing that that, that I hear about him complaining about something was that he he kind of had it with loud stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, 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 he he yeah yeah he he really. And, and Leo, I remember in the session, Leo told me, yeah, he 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 kind of like, he, he wants something more intimate, something more delicate probably because he, you know, imagine so many years, man. I'm a man, you know how they used to do. Those guys, they, yeah. they were wild back in the day. So I think they just, you know, be men. They're, be, it's not that they they get old, but, you know, but it's, it is, people change, you know. For sure. I've people, gone... We, 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 I've gone yeah. through it myself, and I, I think it's a combination of uh, you know venturing into my forties and just the experience of COVID. Um, like I'm, I'm much less tolerant of loud shit. I'm much less tolerant of really busy shit. Like yeah. any any music that just strikes me as violent, I'm like ugh. Like you know, when you're younger, especially when you're a younger man, I think that music speaks yeah. to you in in a way. Um, but yeah, I'm just getting I'm just getting uh, cranky and tired now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and by me, you know, I went to his house, and his, in, you know, was I expected like seeing like twenty guitars, but it was a total opposite. I found a lot of cameras, filming equipment. He's he's just a different guy, I think today, and that's what people. Don't understand sometimes about him but i think he's just a he's just a different level you know people transcend right and and basically yeah he was he was looking for something more delicate i think something more more intimate and um we actually recorded with a jazz kit it was an 18 inch bass drum wow you know stuffed them in and he um he wanted that for the monaferte album we did a, we recorded the demos with an 18 inch too but for the when we went to Capitol Records, and that was a beautiful experience there too. Um, we'd um, with that we used a vintage Crash 20 20 inch bass drum, but um, but yeah, he was he was something more delicate. And I see that's what he liked about me. The and of course me as a I don't, I don't like to call myself a jazz musician, just a musician overall because I, I had to play many styles in order to survive here in New York. Right. So it, it is. Um, I see he liked that. I see sometimes probably with rock drummers, he felt a little bit in the box. And I know that feeling because sometimes, you know, you want to do a bachata or you want to do a reggaeton or you want to do a, something that, you know, that, that, that you really, you know, he's he's a really deep cat in terms of, of music, experimenting stuff. And that's why I think he, he dig about my stuff. And and yeah, and that's how we, we went through the whole Mars Volta 
album baby whatever you call it <laughs> yeah right right so like from a from a drumming perspective your background um like you said you said you don't like to call yourself a jazz musician and i i relate to that um because i i played nothing but jazz basically all throughout mm -hmm. my 20s in kansas city but then sort of um didn't want to just limit myself in that way or whatever um but i mean your background like you you grew up in puerto rico you went to berkeley you have experience um with uh like you know all kinds of pop and latin pop um your your jazz credentials are in good order <laughs> um so do you do you feel like you kind of got to bring all of that background to this project yes in a way but the, the way I got into jazz, it was more a way because, you know, in, in Puerto Rico, that's something that um, when you study percussion and stuff like that, it's, it's really like traditional, you know? Yeah. So it's really like, yeah, you have to know, you know, Mario Balsa and who Mario Balsa is, you know, he, you know, and, and, and they go deep fast, you know, it, it's, it's like jazz in a way. <laughs> right. So, so it's, it's not like that you like, Wanna want a gratitude balance and you wanna be Marcos Lopez right away. Yeah. Your your teacher's gonna be no. No, you have to be Tito Puente first. You know, you have to be so I think me approaching the drums that way, it was it was drumming it, it gave me that attraction to jazz. And I think what, what Omar likes about that is is that he um he have options of, of someone who's knowledgeable of of stuff that that, that are not normal and probably in the role rock atmosphere and of course he wanted that sound and, and some of those tracks and and, and and you know he sent me this little demos thing that, that, that first it lasted like a minute minute and ten and with that i you know i noticed some swing patterns sometimes and stuff like that yeah, and yeah. i knew and i knew what he wanted and um so yes i i, I totally totally my background as as, as, as a coming from uh Surrounded by African cultures, Caribbean African culture, and, and, and approaching my instrument that way, I think is it, something that he probably like about and something that he really wanted for the album because he, you know, he's, he, he's, he's at a stage right now that I think he, he, he want to, you know, he want to represent Puerto Rico, especially what's going on even today. Oh my God. It's like horrible. This hurricane destroyed the whole island. I know. Too. I know. And we, I mean, we so should sad. mention, we didn't, we didn't plan it this way, but yeah. we're, we're recording this interview yeah, just actually, like a day after that, uh, that hurricane hit. Like, do you, yeah. do you have family there or is everybody, yeah, my, everybody's okay? I haven't okay? talked to my dad. I haven't talked to my dad today. He's kind of messed up to tell you the truth. Mm. I talked to him yesterday, but I see his cell phone charge. Just went off. I mean, there are worries. Those people, you know, what I, I grew up with three hurricanes, nothing like Maria, of course, and like Fiona right now. Fiona supposedly hit it harder, but mm -hmm. but yeah, yes, it's just like we're tough people. <laughs> I, I'm not worried about them. My, my dad, forget about it. He's just unstoppable. <laughs> but uh, but but you know what I'm saying. Um, he he wanted to represent that and. And and I think and and he goes to Puerto Rico a lot actually and, and Marcel too his brother and they they I'm not sure they live there but I know they you know they they they're they're all real Puerto Ricans people think they're Americans but um when I met them I talked to him I don't notice any accent or anything his dad is full you know they they like really from the island you know what I'm saying right um, but um but yeah I think he wanted he wanted something like that and I appreciate that from him that he called me and you know let me do this and bring my whole you know bring my little rice and beans to the album you know? <laughs>
Puerto Rico. How how long did you spend there? First of all, at what at what point did you leave? Well, I left when I was twenty three. Okay, so you spent like your entire no, no, upbringing no. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. Um, I went there high school. I finished high school, and then I went to the music school. Um, so a few music colleges. Not a great student in high school. You know how it is. I was a little rebel. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like all the people that surrounded myself, that were I don't know more into drums and stuff. So I went to different colleges, studying music. Then, uh, then um, I started working for Univision doing this American Idol thing because, you know, I was talented. My dad played too, you know, and and he, of course, unnaturally driven for the instrument. <clears throat> and um, started working for them, but they had the same, everything happened at the same time. Berkeley did the summer camp in Puerto Rico. I went through it. I, I won a full ride, thank God, and and boom, and did the Boston thing. That's what happened to me. Yeah. And so you but, mentioned uh, the you mentioned the American Idol thing. Like you you were involved in it, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was the tour of the Latin yeah. was it Latin American Idol yeah, stars. So, so Univision it was in Mexico. But then when they, they branded out to Puerto Rico and the first one of the first shows they did was like, of course, doing an American Idol thing because it was super hot in the United States. So they did a version of it called Objetivo Fama. So the first time they did, they just look for, you know, young, cool kids who can do it, you know. And, and man, and I got um, some of my friends were on the show. And then the, the producer, you know, just saw, saw our shows and, you know, we were happening. We were rehearsing. We were, it was a really good band. So, yeah, they, they gave me the MD gig for, for the tour with you know, a bunch of colleges in Puerto Rico and stuff like that. And then... The, the international tour was coming, but I got a Berkeley scholarship and I knew I was going to do that right away. So I just left, unfortunately. But um, yeah, so it wasn't a hard yeah. it wasn't a hard choice for you between uh, like an international tour with the Latin American Idol thing and yeah. going to Berkeley like that was easy. Yeah, I mean, I was in the point in my life at that point that because of Puerto Rico, not in Puerto Rico, but something that, that actually attracted me to jazz was that I can actually make my own name. Mm. Because sometimes when you play with people, you know, oh, this is Willie Rodriguez, um, Shakira's drummer. Right. Or, you know, this is, you know, Willie, you know, the drummer from whoever, you know, they, they, I, I, I never like dig that stuff that much back in the day. Yeah. So I was like, no, I want to make my own name, you know? So I was, that's what something that taught me about jazz. I was like, I want to do my music. I want to do my thing as a drummer. You know, I was checking LB Jones. He had his album. Jack the Yonan, he had his album. So. So, so so I was like, no, I want to be a jazz musician. So let me go to to Boston and learn and, right. and do my thing. Yeah, That's a, an idea uh, that we've talked about uh, some on the podcast. And I talked about it most recently with Will Kennedy. Just the idea of your name being, you know, so closely associated with a specific act versus, you know, more going out on your own sort of creating your own you know uh and and you know for for better or worse i i told will kennedy like you you are going to be associated with yellow jackets like you are going to go down in history as yellow jackets drummer and um and it's such a great legacy but i think there's you know there's pros and cons to being uh to both routes, being very closely associated with a certain act, like you said, you're so-and-so's drummer versus trying to just carve out your own space. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm me. I've done a bunch of shit. Um, but even at that young age, you were, you were thinking about like, no, I want to carve out a Willie Rodriguez space. I don't want to be so-and-so's drummer. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was a wild experience because I, I grew up surrounded by really talented people. And these people, they're like now that they're like reggaeton stars or or pop stars, you know, and, and all this stuff. And I don't see myself as an instrumentalist. You know, I'm not gonna be Bad Bunny playing a beat, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was like, it, 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 I remember me making the decision. That was that was what actually made me the decision. I was like, if I stay here, I always gonna be like doing this stuff, just playing for people. But with jazz, I saw that that opportunity to actually you know like do something for myself yeah and and that's why i did it but um and i think that actually helped me in a way even to reach to do this album with the mars volta right because leo knew who i was and leo called me and then from there omar you know and 
So at the end, I probably stepping out for myself was a good decision at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I I think what you achieved with that was was um, you know, really kind of the the dream for everybody. Um, just in terms of your identity and um, you know, because because basically what happened is you know you spent uh, twenty years or whatever, sort of like carving out your own identity and figuring out who you are mm-hmm. as a drummer and making that a very yeah. specific thing, and then. Uh, you know, somebody saw that and saw you and recognized that and said, I want that. Yeah. And of course, what I tell everyone, it is obvious if you want to study drum set, you have to come to the United States. It's like if you want to study tumbadoras or congas, you have to go to Cuba. You yeah. have to go to Puerto Rico. You, you know, of course, you know, you most. And that is a main factor too. I was obsessed with Ralph Peterson too. I love Ralph <laughs> Peterson, and and I was like, I saw, you know, I want to be like him, you know. Right, and, right. And thank God, I, I, Lydia, my wife, worked with him too, and we, and you know, we got intimate with him before he he passed away. And but yeah, that that was one of the reasons too. But yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is different um, sometimes to appreciate the instrument and where it come from and and, and where. You know, the history behind it, because Boston have a whole line of drummers, man. The people sometimes sleep on it, like oh, Tony yeah. Williams, yeah. Roy Haynes. You know, those are my favorite drummers at the, at the same time. And then when you go there, you know, you, you meet people who know them and people who, who taught them, you know. Like yeah. People like drummers who, like I met this guy who in Boston, I forgot his name, who was like Tony Williams' friend, but he went to jail like for 30 years or something. And and then you see this guy playing and, and you're like, whoa, hold up. I can see something, you know, like like he's like doing quarter notes and the hi-hat already. Right, right. <laughs> stuff like that. It's like, oh, hold up. And then and, and, and the guy, you know, he's like saying, you know, you know, Boston style. He, Tony Willing, you know, I saw that guy, you know, you know, they all say stuff like, okay, you know, but right. but that's how I play. I was like, oh, I can see that. Yeah. You know, and th- that's what attracted me actually, me living in the island, definitely just the drums, the, the, the beauty of the instrument and all. Right. And, all and and you mentioned just sort of the, the Americanness of the drum set. You were like, well, I got to go, of course, got to go to the mainland. Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I'm a, Total believer that you know the, the drums is, is and the instruments too. I'm I'm a big fan of American instruments. Mm-hmm. Total, totally. You know, I'm, I love Gresh, D.W. Ludwig. That those are my favorite sets for sure. Always. Yeah. Um. But but um. But yeah. The 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 whole you know the American sound. That that's as as Latinos. I, I believe as a drummer, you have to search for the American sound. That's an American sound, believe it or not. You can play everything you want, but you have to achieve that American sound, the, the, the pocket, you know. Right. We we Latinos, we lack pocket. You think? Like, like I'm, I'm, of course, I mean, we, we, don't grew, <laughs> we, we, we didn't grow up in church like you guys did. Right. You know, there's no, go- there's no gospel, you know, there's no ballads like that, you know, there's no... You know, we grew up with with um, depends. You know, depending on the country, of course. Um, but like, and the Caribbean is 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 really percussion driven. Sure. I think you know we of course we know Billy Jean and Michael Jackson all the stuff, but but we didn't grow up with Steely Dan. I mean, we didn't grow up with um with um with you know with with um with jazz, Les Zeppelin, you know, all, yeah. all those all those really deep drummers too that people don't know. You know. Right. Right. Well, it's interesting but, um, you say it's interesting you say Latin drummers lack pocket because i like i just think of it as a different pocket right like yeah yeah of course of course you know, no, effort- i mean i mean like backbeat totally yeah, backbeat. sure yeah 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 backbeat yeah yeah because you know you have to see you know they i didn't know who ricky lawson was <laughs> yeah. until i moved to the united states right you know i didn't know you know bernard purdy a little bit you know but but that's a whole school yeah james gadsden you know, leave on hell yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We 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 um it's a whole different. Of course, we know who Benny Colayuda, Dave Weckl, Danny Chambers, of course, because that's the the boom of the eighties and nineties. Right. We, we saw it, but like you know, like Motown, we didn't grow up in Motown. We have Fania by the time, you know. We have salsa. We have a different movement. Right. But 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 yeah, but that definitely that's one thing that when I went to Berkeley, it, it was it was it was a really humbling experience because I went there for jazz. 
But the first drummer that I, the first drum hang that I saw actually at Wally's, it was John Blackwell and Dana Hawkins doing trading. Jesus. And I was like, and, and this is this is like, you know, this is like me. How can I say this? This I don't know. It was like imagine you're a yellow belt karate student, and then someone bring you to Addison Silva and Conor McGregor beating their life to death in a cage. <laughs> and, and you're like, how is this possible? You know, and 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 then I was like, oh my god. And that for me, it was wow. That that I went there for jazz, but then I knew that I had to, that my pocket had to be the main thing right away. Hmm. Besides jazz, right, right. Because you, you, I mean, what make you a good jazz drummer is dominate as many styles as possible. Yeah, no doubt. So I have I have two things to sort of ask or talk wow. about about that. Like f- first of all, I I feel like um, uh, the idea of pocket really really has a place in jazz and not not a lot of mm-hmm. young drummers in particular approach it that way um mm-hmm. so i i feel like you like you being so aware of just like the idea of pocket like mm-hmm. i would imagine that had to inform your jazz playing as you were sort of progressing at berkeley mm-hmm. there um but the other question i had was like so like you're you know born and raised and grown up and educated in in puerto rico and just steeped in in all the music that that island is made of and i want to talk about all that stuff but when you got to the states when you started attending berkeley um did you think about your education and development there like were were you trying to add to the um were you trying to add to what you are, were already were in terms of what what Puerto Rico shaped you to be, or were you trying to leave it behind and like become an American drummer? Totally leave it behind and become an American drummer. Wow! Because as soon as I got this, is the thing that sometimes I tell my students and, and Latino artists who come here: if you come to the United States. And you're not even, you just, with your friends the whole time, people from your country, eating your, your food the whole time, hanging with your people the whole time, you're still back home. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and that's something that I, I right away, and, and actually, um, I talk to this a lot with this, you know, Francisco Mela is a genius drummer, amazing I feel like I know that drummer. name, but I don't. Is yeah, he, he, he actually, no, no, he was here, he's, he's a legend. This guy played with McCoy Tyner. His last ten years, okay. he played with Kenny Barron. He's a amazing jazz drummer. He actually he recorded Esperanza's last album too. Oh, cool! Besides the one, he and, and Esperanza's first album too. Amazing drummer, Cuban guy, and he and remember the he it was crazy because when I moved to Boston, he used to stay in the same apartment I was staying because he was teaching in Berkeley, but he was living in New York. So one of one of the first thing that he told me he was you have to leave the clave away now. <laughs> in order to understand this, because you know, clave—it's it, not a clave, but our music is really downbeat related. You know, like one and three, but not at the same time. We yeah. don't like to clap in one and three, like you know, like like here. Right. We like to clap in one and three. Yeah. But but you know, but it's driven like that. You know, it's danceable like that. Yeah, the clave but, is uh, oriented around it. Yeah, yeah. The, the swing is a different thing. It's it's, it's 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 a bounce, you know. Right. So I I remember him telling me that it's like, you don't need to practice more Latin music. <laughs> he told me you need to do this now, so you can get this the sound, American sound, and all the stuff that we talk about. And 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 as a as a Latino musician, that's what you should do. When you come here, you know, you should like, you know. You can hang with Daphne and, and Horacio, those guys, but you should be trying to hang with with Nathaniel Tonsley, or you should try to hang with um, you know, with, you know, with uh, I don't know, like Marco Liana. That's so, so some, um, you know, some. You have to surround yourself of the American culture, right? In, in terms of that music, if you come here to play Latin music, then you you're basically you're home, right? You know, and and that's one thing that I always was aware at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, and, and as a Puerto Rican, you know how it is. They see me, Willie Rodriguez, drummer, 
cowbell. They give me a cowbell right away. And I'm like, come on. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, here's the cowbell. Hit it. I was like, right. dude. Yeah, you've you've oh, seen one of these before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. And, and, and like the you know, so like the other day, I got I got a call for for this free jazz festival, really well known here in New York. And the lady was like, so the lady was doing this in Latin with you know Latino month or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, this lady is like the most avant garde festival in New York ever. This is super avant garde, you know, literally free jazz. I was like, cool, so let's do it. So when the lady called me. The first thing she told me, so, well, so your salsa set is going to be from this time to this time. I was like, what? Mm. Oh, my God. Are you serious? I, I, call, <laughs> I call all these free jazz musicians, you know? Hello. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's what it is. But, <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's another American thing, you know, that the people... You know, they, they do that. Yeah. Well, what so. you were saying about sort of, you know, leaving leaving your your musical uh, Puerto Rican roots behind when you get here. Um, at, at first, it kind of surprised me, but but now it's it's making more and more sense, because when you talk about, um, you know, if if you're still if you're still like immersed in Puerto Rican culture you're like, you're still home. And I've, I've known and talked to many American drummers who traveled to Puerto Rico or Cuba or Brazil to, to learn that music. Like they didn't go there to hang out with Americans and play American music. They went there to leave America behind and learn that music. So you went the opposite way, um, to just leave Puerto Rico behind and, (laughs) and become an American drummer. Um, what, uh, before you left Puerto Rico, I, I, I like doing little, uh, sort of like musicology segments whenever I talk to <laughs> someone like you, like what were the, um, what were the distinctly, uh, Puerto Rican styles that you grew up playing and, and loving? Well, Puerto Rico is a really special case too, because Puerto Rico is, it's America too. Yeah. And people think of Puerto Rico, how come, I mean, I don't want to sound rude either, but how can I say this? Like in New York, there's a whole Puerto Rican community, but it's salsa driven. Mm -hmm. So it's like a period of a boom. You know what I'm saying? It's the 70s, 80s, 90s, it's a boom. But the Puerto Ricans here are not the same Puerto Ricans that we are at the island. Like the Puerto Ricans at the island, they love different styles of music, you know, it's, it's, it's like two different realities in mm-hmm. a way. It, it, it's, it's, it's like um, American Puerto Ricans, it's like a, it's, it's like a, uh, a late shock of something that happened on the island. Mm, yeah. In a, musically in a way. So when I got here, of course, the, the, the reggaeton boom was kind of coming out, but in Puerto Rico, it was already there for 15 years. Yeah, yeah. So you know what I'm saying? So it's always a little delay of what's going on. Not anymore since TikTok and Instagram and you know Facebook. That now is really even. But that was my experience at the moment. And us in Puerto Rico, we're 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 different citizens because we 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 listen to metal at the same time that we listen to salsa or we listen to a bachata or do a reggaeton. And then I see me sur- me surrounded to that type of environment. You know that I can listen to. To seven dust for yeah. random metal stuff because right. in Puerto Rico they, they get dirty. <laughs> you know they're they're like they're like you know they're, they're like trailer park music straight up. <laughs> uh, they 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 love that. I mean I it's crazy. I mean you go Halloween in Puerto Rico you see people just like slitting up stuff it's like oh my god what, uh, I'm, I'm in I'm in Kentucky or San Juan what's right. going on? So yeah, but Puerto Rico is quite metal actually. It's hilarious. That's great. Um, uh, but um. So we, we, that that's that's what happened in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, you're surrounded by this really deep culture, basically probably like New Orleans is. Mm-hmm. New Orleans, you have really deep New Orleans tradition, and you had the American culture too, the radio, MTV, and all the stuff. So Puerto Rico's the same. We had this really deep African culture, like with, with, with our own rhythms. But at the same time, Puerto Rico is quite special too because Puerto Rico had never bring his own musical style to the world yet. Mm-hmm. But like in a way, like Bomba and Plena, like Omar was bringing his videos. But that's a real folkloric music of Puerto Rico. I mean, we play salsa, but salsa is some Montuno, some Montuno is Cuban. Yeah, yeah. 
and, 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 you know, that's a different topic because, you know, Castro and how they canceled Castro and, and why Puerto Ricans took over because some Duna was super hot in Latin America. Of course, we're talented folks. So, you know, boop, we yep. went up. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it is that that's the magical thing about Puerto Rico. I always recommend people who want to study music to go to Puerto Rico because it's a place that you can just, you're surrounded by, by so many stuff, you know, like reggaeton right now is just, Took over the world. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it is for you know it's Puerto Rican. It, it, it's the same as the Cuban thing because actually reggaeton is dembo, is Jamaican, but you know that how like we because we are part of the United States, how we had that advantage, of course, of of of, of booming here in the United States. But um, but the biggest benefit I will say is that it's just like how you have the benefit of of, of the American culture in a way. Of the music and 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 and, and that and that accessibility, yeah, and and the African culture, of course, and 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 the, and the food and 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 the, and the vibe and the people dancing, you know, right. Everyone can dance down there. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It <laughs> seems it seems like its own kind of little melting pot because like surrounding, yeah. you know, geographically surrounding cultures like Jamaica, like Cuba, have much more yeah. distinct identities. But it seems like Puerto yeah. Rico is kind of taking little bits and pieces from everybody. Yeah, it is the African, the African culture. Mm. The African culture is really expressive. The music is, is you know, it, it is, it is the truth. I mean, the, the, we, we, there were lost slaves in the islands, you know, and this, and. And, and and the music is there because yeah. of them. It's a have, different. To, I'm realizing it's a different spin on the idea of being African American. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It it, it 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 is beautiful too. How 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 the music actually relates. How when you go South America, different claves, and then the more you go up, how the clave is simplifying, and then how the clave reached New Orleans. And how the clave in New Orleans have a little swing, and 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 then you see how the clave start disappearing because you know there's no more African culture. You know it, it, it it's you know it, it is it is beautiful. I yeah. mean, totally. You know, we have to say thank you to the African culture in Latin America, especially in the Caribbean. They they have brought everything to us, but at the same time, you know, now it's a blend. Now is, you know, it's what everyone can do with it. Everyone's capable now, and everyone. It is it is beautiful what's happening out there, and I'm really proud of them because they. I left the island, mm-hmm. you know, and I went for something. But some people there they didn't left, and they still make it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you guys are that's some bad stuff over there. mentioned you were kind of a metalhead in high school um oh totally and yeah. somewhere somewhere in there you you just sort of like uh pivoted and got into jazz yeah yeah how, i can tell you exactly what happened yeah like how as a high school student in puerto rico did jazz enter your atmosphere man i was listening to this group called candiria candiria's a new york mad rock band from the early 2000s and they were like play, playing like this crazy Meshuga, Meshuga, I don't know how you mention it, uh, Meshuga type of grooves. And out of nowhere, they play, they play some kind of blue type of music. Mm-hmm. And that for me was like, what's going on? <laughs> and me, of course, you know, we had this thing in Puerto Rico, in Latin America, actually, especially in the Caribbean. If you want to learn something, just play with the records. And I always noticed, I was like doing all the rock part really nice, but then the jazz part that you know the the jazz session it was the hardest one for me to play i was like oh my god right it sounds so simple but it's so difficult i was like oh i have to play soft what's this my right cymbal sound like like a can (laughs) you know and 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 that challenge was really i i I, i'm really hoping i can meet that drummer actually one day here in new york i'll be looking for their shows but they closed cbgb many years ago so they Mm -hmm. used to play there sometimes but 
But yeah, I would say Candiria, Dilliger Escape Plan, all that complexity brought me to jazz because they, when I read their interviews, I was they always mentioned jazz, and then I was like, what's this? And then at the beginning, you know, I was I was like, oh, this is kind of weird, but then. I just totally got enchanted right away and love it. Yeah, so like what was the first jazz or jazz drummers that you were checking out? Like you read these articles, read interviews, and these guys are talking about, you know, how they incorporate jazz. Like what? who did that point you towards? In my in my case, what happened was I used to have this drum teacher in Puerto Rico called Jose Ortiz, who's a really amazing teacher. And of course, I was there as a metalhead, but, but he's a jazz head, mm-hmm. so... At the first, at the first time that he heard me, man, and what Jad is, of course, he's just like, what? Boom! Give me all this music right away. <laughs> so he and and then my and my dad too, of course. My dad was like super ashamed of me. He was like, you're a metalhead, and and, and I'm a salsa guy. So, you know, metalhead rock guys and salsa guys in Puerto Rico, they don't really get along. It's like a, they even have songs against it, you know. Right. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> um, but um. But, but but when my dad, of course, when I asked him about it, he got super happy. And he, my dad, of course, he had all these collections from Weather Report to, you know, to, um, of course, he started with Weather Report because he knew that I was a little rock guy. So I said, let me give you Weather Report. <laughs> right, right. This will be you. an easy entry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, easy entry. And, and then and then I was getting into solos, drum solos. And he was like, okay, so I'm going to give you my troche. And then my teacher too in in, in in the school. So it was it was it, it, it was crazy. I, I I went from black nails to suits <laughs> like in two months. <laughs> like in two months. Man. It was wild. It, it wasn't just I, the drumming and the listening. Like you went in for the yeah, whole yeah, no, lifestyle. No. Like. no, no. I was I was horrible. I was I used to have his giant pants, black nails, piercings. Yeah. You know, I was imagine like coming to your grandma's christmas party and dress like that it yeah, was yeah. totally shameful but um <laughs> but uh <laughs> but um but yeah that's i just i went i dived right into it right away and and yeah from max roach definitely a lot of max roach at the beginning tony williams lb jones alex acuna because alex acuna is a good friend of my dad mm. and um and so he gave me all that stuff and man and from there on forget about it here we are now yeah yeah so you you go on to berkeley and i you got to study with ralph peterson correct yes i did yeah and also with terry lynn carrington mm-hmm. i've i've interviewed uh, a couple of other uh students of hers and um i've i've from from what i understand like she will get your shit in shape in a hurry <laughs> did that happen to you terry was my the only professor at Berkeley who told me the truth <laughs> the whole time. Wow. And I appreciate that so much because you know you you're spending a lot of money there. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, some students like to some students they like to hear, hey, sound great. This is wonderful. Yeah, everybody does it. Yeah. But Terry was like, why are you using so many singles? <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, I was like, what do you mean? You know, she was so sweet. She was like, just told me the truth the whole time. Do this. You can, I mean, man, when I saw Terry, she just told me this basic thing that changed my life forever. She was like, you know, you can mix singles and doubles. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah. But then when I saw her doing it, that was exactly that. That it, it unlocked a whole thing in my head. Hmm. It was like I was like, "Wow, this is a thing I've been trying to get for many years." Uh-huh. This is what Jack. This is what Jack the Unit do. This yeah. is what Elvin used to do. You know, and and, and because sometimes you know we, we we think some things are are doubles versus singles. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we think that some things are in the opposite way. Sometimes we think some some singles are doubles and yeah. naturally not. So. Seeing her doing that and working with me on that stuff, and, and I actually did a an ensemble with her too, and she was wonderful there. Just like what to do, and no, Terry, Terry definitely was a life changing experience, and Ralph too, but uh, but Terry was the realist, and I actually studied with a guy, man, that I I, I wish the world knew a lot about him. His name was Bacolodi. Bacolodi was an excellent student 
I actually have a story that that, that, that he told me. If, if you guys, if you have time, yeah, he studied he studied with um with Alan Dawson. Mm-hmm. He, he was one of the longest students for Alan Dawson, and Bacalotti just passed away a few years ago. He, he and he's like an amazing jazz drummer, free jazz type of guy, but he's ridiculous, killing, killing, super underrated. Oh my god, I could send you a video of stuff of him. Yeah, later. Um, so he studied with Alan Dawson for like 19 years. So the last day. You know, he's living in his car, you know, and he's like, thank you all. And Alan Dawson, it was great. This 20 years were fantastic. He's like, yeah, of course. So he's leaving. He put his glass up. Then Alan Dawson's getting to his house. And he come back. He's like, oh, my God, Alan's coming back. So he put the window down. He's like, hey, just to let you know, everything I told you, Tony did it in a year. (laughs) Bye. Oh no! I was like, "What? Oof. Oh my God, that's messed up." <laughs> that's fucked up. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah and, and 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 yeah. So, and that's the story they I always remember from him. But that's the first day he told me that story. I was like, "Oh my God, that's crazy!" Wow. So, but this guy is, is amazing. I'm gonna send you all his stuff. Buckalodi, amazing drummer, super influential in Boston. He was amazing. Gas, Elbing, Tony. A free improviser, wonderful musician. So I studied with him a year or two. Totally in love with his stuff. And Eddie Jerome too. Eddie Rolf, and um, yeah, and a few others. And it was fantastic. The Berkeley definitely was a beautiful experience. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I uh, years ago I interviewed a LA drummer named Dan Schnell. Um, nice. Who studied with Terry at um, USC, I believe, and and he said. Uh, you know, he was like, I, I just got done doing a couple years with Erskine and, you know, Erskine and I were working on like just a really light touch and using lots of space and, you know, just this very kind of like mellow thing. And, and he got to Terry and she was like, are you going to play anything? <laughs> like it was another one of those truth telling moments. Like, look, man. Oh, real. <laughs> and by the way, this is something that I forgot to tell too. My classmates. I mean, my classmates were freaking Madagarska, Corey Fonville. Yeah. I interviewed Justin Corey Fa- recently. Yeah. Man. Justin Faulkner, um, Jonathan Pinson. That's my boy. One of my best friends. Jesus. Um, yeah. All, all these guys, I learned a lot from them too. Um, Nick Smith, who was amazing. Yeah. Nick Jammer. Uh, Sean. Um the, the guy, you know, Sean, and he did the Silgen Bigford thing. What's his name? Sean. Um, the guy with the dreads, super sweet. Um, uh, I yeah, he, yeah, he he did the Bigford thing with um when Thomas Bridget did it and uh, all those guys. I just forgot his last name. He's from Florida. I'm not great guy. Up. Yeah, yeah, I can picture the guy. Sean. Ah, uh, oh, man, I forgot his name. But a great guy, you know, and. Yeah, man, and be surrounded by that is amazing too. Yeah, and that's a, another thing about um, like if if you're gonna go to college, you know, obviously you've got to find um, professors and faculty that uh, you think you're gonna do well with. You want you want the college to be in a city in a community that you think you're gonna thrive mm-hmm. in. Um, but the other piece of it is like your fellow students, right? Like. Are they mm-hmm. are they are they on your level? Are you going to be a big fish in a small pond? Are they going to kick your ass? Are they assholes? Or are they going to like you know be a community with you? Yeah. Is it, is it going to be super competitive and cutthroat, or is it going to be more like we're all in this together? Let's kick each other's asses. I think that's it's a fifty fifty mm-hmm. situation. You need to be. I hate to say it, but in music, especially in college. You benefit from that, from that competition thing, mm-hmm. because you 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 have to grow. Yeah, yeah. And and in co- in college is a perfect place to do it. It's a bubble. It's not real world. Right. That's the thing. That's that's the biggest challenge. When you get out of that bubble, you can be, you know, the the Mayweather of that college. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the the undefeated best drummer is cool, but you get out, and. It doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, it, it, it is. It, it is. I mean, the, the real world is a different place than college, but being in that environment and and and, and surrounding yourself with people who are way better than you, mm-hmm. not just better, way better. And even if they're weird to you or they're assholes to you, you try to be around them and see what it is. At one point, they're gonna just go say hi because, or either you know, 
it's what it is. But in my, in my case, that's what it did. I, try, I was a little probably creepy in a way because I was like, always behind those people to see what was going on. At the end, we ended up being friends and really good friends and stuff. And, you know, and, but you, you it, it is all about witnessing the instrument. Mm-hmm. There's people who never went to college, but they always saw Dennis Chamber every Thursday in his bar. Yeah. And they're happening. Right. You know, there's people who, you know, and in my opinion, I'm, I'm, I love colleges and all the stuff, but sometimes, you know, I know the prices are wild right now. Hello. Yep. You're going to spend like a hundred grand in, in a year. Yeah. Know? Yeah. We've Hello. talked about it. We've talked about it a yeah, ton. Yeah. Like there I would are. Not, I would not recommend that. I've always, my students are say just, just hire the, the drummer that you want to study with. Yeah. If you want to study harmony, you know, for me to be a good drummer, in my opinion, you have to study piano and a good drum teacher. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need anything else. And you can, yeah, like you said, you can do that privately. Like you can take money yeah. you were going to spend you on college. You can do that privately. Um, That's another topic. That's another topic to tell you too. I mean, I, mean, I could go in for music education and go in for hours. I but, could too. And I have, for yeah, sure. Do, um, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the, like the other thing people don't necessarily consider is like smaller schools that don't have a big name, um, where, yeah. where the tuition is super affordable. Like there are schools all mm-hmm. over the country that have kick ass teachers, right? Yeah. They're not big names, but they are great educators and yeah. they will, you know, they'll, they'll kick your yeah. ass <laughs> and get you ready to play. Yeah. Save that money, hire <laughs> Mike Mitchell for a lesson. Right. Hire Ronald Bruner. Hire Jeff Ting Watts. Yeah. They need the money too. Trust me. <laughs> right. They need it worse Do than the it. colleges. <laughs> yeah. They want it. Just hire Dave Werkel for a lesson. Sign up in his website. Yep. Man, it's all there now. Yep. It's all there. You will need to study piano. If you want to be a working musician, you will need to know harmony. You will need to know theory because that that that's gonna that that's how you understand that you don't have to do a quintuplet over this fit over this break, you know. Right. You know what I'm saying? That that's that will give you the music about it. That will give you the you know, and, and styles, when you learn styles, you know, like with Omar, we were the March Bolto, the first thing he told me, I want this pop, and I knew right away. Mm-hmm. That I cannot put my eight inch and ten inch tom tom. Right. You know, I was like, nope. I'm not gonna bring my Eric Moore setup here now. <laughs> this is gonna be, and even with Omar, I like my stuff because we did some stuff in Electric Lady that we played. You know, I tracked with him like 45 tracks, or probably more, mm-hmm. and we did everything from really rocky progressive stuff to really pop stuff, other stuff. But when he told me that, I knew right away this is. Less is more. Yeah. And that comes come from studying styles. So it's a combination of studying styles, good drum teacher, and second instrument, piano. Yep. Percussion, too. You know, they work on play congas and timbales like a bad dude. No people are not. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. you go to his house, he have a self timbales and a conga there, he can drop down, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're there. The, the, you know, the way the instrument started, it was like, it was a marching band. And then probably the gig didn't pay that much. So let's put everything to one guy. Right. So that one guy now is you. So you need to be aware of, of many stuff as possible so you can keep that job. Yeah. So that's, I think that's the modern drummer today. That's that's what's going on right now. I see, man, the kids today, they can play Bossa Nova, like, like the Luca Fonseca and play metal like Joey Jordison. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not just about that's fantastic. Like the, the, you know, when 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 we were coming up, we were told like you got to learn all the styles, you got to become proficient in this and that, and and um, you know, we did from a. It's one thing to become proficient and versatile from a drumming standpoint, right? To just like learn all of those grooves, all of that coordination. But I feel like the the younger generation today is is at a higher elevation like they're looking at music more from 30,000 feet and they're like they they might not get into the weeds of the drumminess of an individual style but like they're listening to all kinds of different shit they're multidisciplinary with you know uh different instruments they're all proficient with recording software beat making programming all that shit um so yeah i'm 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 feeling behind i'm feeling old 
<laughs> I, I totally agree with you. Trust me, I feel old too. <laughs> and I always, and, and for me today, musicians are way better today than before. Hmm. The kids today are way better. Everything is way better. Jazz music back in the day, you see the jazz pioneers, they've always been like this. They've always been hiring young people. Unfortunately, it's not happening today. Hmm. Miles Davis used to hire Tony Williams, 17 years old. Herbie Hancock, 18. Ron Carter, 21. Yeah. Miles was like 38. Right. You know, you know hello. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 the young people, we have something inspired to say, young people have to torch. They're always going to bring the torch. Yep. That's why the, That's why in wars is a young soldiers who dream to battle. <laughs> we always are giving the torch. And I always super pro jump guys, and they're way better now today. Of course, yeah, it'll be. It's just my biggest fear about the drum today is just how the art. I feel it could, could disappear a little bit yeah. in terms of the vocabulary, because people, you know, <clears throat> musicians are better today. <clears throat> musicians. I'm talking about someone who studied music, not a drummer who just do drums or right. a guitar players just do guitar. I'm talking about musicians, someone who go to college and study music, and you know. What, but this is, of course, I better today. But <clears throat> music, in a way, man, is, is is probably. Should we be talking about drums in twenty five years? I don't know. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, it seems like yeah. the, you know the uh, the advent of uh, programming um, is just is really taken over. And between that, I feel like. Uh, the 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 main defense that drummers have against that is um being just like so authentically human on the drums right and just like leaning into all these human decisions that you can make on the drums that a computer cannot replicate um but i feel like a lot of drummers and a lot of young drummers in particular are um just it's you know like you said it's tiktok it's instagram and there's not a lot of music like even if a even if a human drummer is playing an acoustic drum set there doesn't seem to be a lot of music happening <laughs> from these people yeah um so i'm you know i know i i'm trying to be the the change i want to see on the internet in terms of like just putting groove on my instagram thing yeah. and you know um but uh, I, I've, I've once again I've, I've painted myself into like a get off my lawn corner, where, <laughs> where I just I sound like the old guy, like these fucking kids don't know how to play music. Uh, um, I but I mean, it, it does raise a concern in my mind, like you said. How um, you know are we going to be talking about live drums in twenty five years? And I think if if drummers in general don't lean into what only drummers can do on only an acoustic drum set. Um, yeah, it might, it, it might be in danger. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, it's a little dark to talk about it like that, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not, a, it's not a great I, note I to end say, on. I, say, <laughs> I mean, this, this, this instruments in the islands that people don't play anymore, you know, and yeah, that this stuff instruments, you know, they have disappeared, but, um, let's see, let's see. It's always something happened that changed the game. Yeah. And of course, music I feel is always come back in that loop too. Sure. Like you hear, you hear jazz today is super seventies, you know, yeah. and, and, and 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 probably you know in, in ten years is good. We're gonna have the young lion situation again, like with Winter Marsalis came and everyone's playing right. bebop again, you know. Right. And it can happen too. And I just feel um, music is always gonna be there. I just hope that the business education thing of it don't bring people away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, to tell you the truth, I just wish music education was like as accessible as, as people to be a nurse or be a barber. Yeah. You know how that, those programs, the, the, you, you know, people go there, it's like you, you pay with a FAFSA, you know, 3,000. Right. right. It's like a, vo a, year. a vocational school. Yeah. I wish music was like that in a way. So people just, just go in, you know, and, and if you want to study engineering to do it. Yeah. You know, it, it's. I think that the fact of the how it's being boxed out is just gonna create, you know, a situation. Hopefully, it's, hopefully it doesn't kill it in the future. But, but I, I think that's 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 my biggest concern. But um, but it's always gonna be something magical coming out. Yeah. In a positive way, 
either if it's electronic way, electronic wise or or drum wise, but right, right. But uh, I think people like you who are interested in, you know, who 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 promote this thing and they really love the topic. It's, it's, it's the people who are going to keep it alive. Like you adapt yourself to podcasts and all this, this whole, this whole world now. And, and, and that's, that's what really matters. So the people we just keep involving and, and molding to, to the reality of, of surroundings and keep going up. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to play my old Louis, my old Gresh, my entire life. That's what I like. <laughs> yeah, me too. I like my, I like my, my Remo clear dots, black dots, you know, my front head out. You know. <laughs> yeah. Vintage vibe. Yeah. 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 One, yeah. And, you know, for one for, mic, one mic. One mic. That's it. <laughs> right. One mic. Yeah. Right, 57. Right. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, for for better or for worse, like I'm I'm I've just always been in love with the drums. Like I, you know, the idea of yeah. incorporating percussion or electronics, or you know, I, I see all these hybrid setups, and you know, mm. cats holding like a, a a fucking hot rod in one hand and like goat yeah. toes in the other, and just doing all yeah. kinds of cool shit. But it just like for for me, it doesn't excite me near as much as just a drum set yeah. with sticks. Like I just want to play drums. And that might be myopic and nearsighted, but that, like nothing makes me happier than, like you said, just playing a fucking drum set with sticks. <laughs> and 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 the real heroes behind behind every drummer, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the real heroes behind every drummer is their neighbors. <laughs> True, no doubt. Yeah, those the, those people tolerate you like they did to me. Yep. Those are the people that, that should be at the Grammys, you know, talking. Hey, Wild <laughs> Tank, before you say Tony Motola and Universal or whatever you're going to say, you say, I'm going to say thank you to Pedro Garcia, who let me play drums every day from 1999 to 2003 for four hours and never complain, never call me the cops. Thank you, Pedro. I'm here for you. <laughs> exactly. Those are the real heroes. Yes, for because, real. Man, this, this, this instrument is... is yeah, it's it, a wild one. It takes a village, man. <laughs> yeah, you take a village exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, it was it was great talking to you, and congratulations on this Mars Volta Thank release. Um, it sounds it sounds killer, and uh, uh, best of luck with it, man. Thanks for hanging. Thank you, and good luck with everything, and uh, wish you the best, and keep playing those drums, brother. There you go, Willie Rodriguez. Thanks to him for that hang. Check out the new self-titled Mars Volta record wherever you get music. Next week, Matt Krause will be talking with the great Sean Pelton, who has been in the Saturday Night Live house band for basically my entire life and has also just done so much more as a New York-based touring and session drummer. I'm really looking forward to that one. Hope you check that out. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.